If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in. The DNBR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Salute. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I want to discuss a hodgepodge of things. I want to get some questions from people, just sort of pick the brains of of all of you out there. I haven't been around for the last several days. I've been sick and, and dealing with some other things. So this is going to be the beginning of a veritable deluge of podcasts. There's going to be a lot coming your way in terms of recapping of the season, in terms of looking forward to the offseason, getting very specific on particular players. In fact, there's one thing I want to do this offseason, and I probably won't do an episode for every single member of the 40-man roster. I don't know that that would be worth everyone's time, but I do want to do at least 15 to 20 episodes that focus on just one player. And I'm going to begin that here very soon. It may be coming out the same day as as you're listening to this uh, with John Gray, who I had an opportunity to speak with uh, before the season ended and got a lot of great conversation out of him. And I want to be able to 
share all of that with you. And I figured the best way to put that in full context would also be for me to just talk about his entire season and where he's at moving forward. And then I figure why not do that with some of the guys that I didn't have the opportunity to sit down and talk with. So throughout this offseason, it is my intention to do that for most of the key players moving forward and do an episode entirely devoted to them. So be on the lookout for the, the John Gray one here coming up soon. Uh, before I get into some of the questions that I've gotten around on Twitter and here on Facebook and, and, and emails, I wanted to discuss the article I wrote and the new app that exists. Uh, hopefully all of you saw that. It, it's a free story. So even if you're not a subscriber, you can go and check it out. Hopefully you are a subscriber. Uh, but I got another opportunity to talk with our guy, Mark Williams, who you all know from having come on this podcast to talk about a lot of the balls and strikes and the umpire stuff. And since that conversation, he has invented an app that allows you, the baseball fan, to have all of the information at your disposal about each one of these umpires and how they might impact a game. And it's really pulling back the veil of ignorance that we've kind of lived under here. And I hope everyone reads the article. I don't want to rehash too much of what's in there. You know, the thesis statement, the purpose for this to exist. It's not just about robot umpires. I saw some people, you know, kind of boiling it down to being about that. I even saw somebody say this is basically an app that is trying to make itself no longer relevant because as soon as there are robot umpires, this app will no longer need to exist. And I suppose on some level that's probably true, but I, I think there's far more merit to it than just being an argument in favor of robo-umps. I think that it's at the very least worth beginning to have this conversation in factual terms. And, and this is part of why I think this is important. I, got, I saw some pushback of this and still people arguing things like, you know, it really does all balance out in the end. There's nobody who's more or less impacted by unfair calls. And what we're seeing now with the data is that that's, that's not the case and we can check it. And so I like now that we can have the conversation about not just should human beings be calling balls and strikes, but should this particular human being be calling balls and strikes in this particular game. And as we were sort of announcing the app and I'm writing the article and, and I'm using it for the first time and I'm looking, okay, who are the umpires for today? And it was Tom Hallian in the deciding game between the Cardinals and the Nationals. Now, it didn't end up mattering because the Nationals scored a thousand runs in the first inning. And so that does kind of take the importance of individual ball and strike calls out of the equation to a large extent. But not knowing that going into the game, when you looked at Hallian's numbers on the app, you discovered that this guy is one of the worst ball strike callers available. He really shouldn't have been there in the most important game. And so at the very least, we should hope for some added transparency from Major League Baseball. This will force them to be because now the data is out there and the app uses Major League Baseball's data. And so I think that 
the way that this is going to work, it's not just about ushering in a, in a new era, eventually hoping for robo-umps. There should be an immediate impact if enough people are paying attention to say, why is, for example, Alfonso Marquez was behind the dish for the deciding game between the Dodgers and the Nationals. And he has a history of being really bad against the Dodgers and really good for the Nationals. I'd have to go back and see if down the stretch that really played a huge role in the game or not. But I feel very confident saying that you could find another umpire who didn't have such pronounced numbers. It's just like looking at a ball player and seeing splits and going, hey, this guy hits 410 against lefties, but 213 against righties, maybe just bat him against lefties, right? If a guy's a really good ball strike caller, but for whatever reason, he can never quite see. And, and it doesn't have to be a pronounced bias. This is one of the things I think is interesting. Now, you might arrive at the conclusion that Alfonso Marquez has a personal vendetta against the Dodgers. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just has a particularly difficult time picking up the baseball out of those particular pitchers' hands. He can't read a Clayton Kershaw curveball any better than the rest of us. Or... Uh, there could be any number, maybe just Dodger Stadium is a weird visual for him. Who knows? But when the data shows such a strong trend in one direction, we should do things to make sure to mitigate that. At the very least, let's have the most qualified and best suited umpires behind the plate for the best games. And if Major League Baseball isn't willing to do that, I think that they're showing you how much they're willing to kind of drag their feet and obfuscate the, the fairness of the issue out of deference, I suppose, to the umpire's union. It, it makes it transparent that that's the only issue because why not have the, at the very least, there should not be in an elimination game, a better ball strike caller standing at first base than there is standing behind the dish. I said in the article, this would be like a manager getting to the postseason and saying, all right, I'm going to bat Tony Walter's cleanup now. You would never do that. God bless him. We all love Tony Walters. But you don't, in the biggest games put the performers who don't do as well in the biggest spots. And so, yeah, it's another wrinkle in the entire story. And yes, I do hope that it kickstarts a conversation on a technological element to calling balls and strikes. But the facts are the facts. They must be understood and presented. And now that this app exists... We have the data, and, and people should no longer be allowed to just get away with saying things like, well, it all balances out. You can go and check. Or I've heard some people say, I don't care how many calls are missed. You're saying they're accurate or inaccurate based on that data. I just care if they're consistency. Well, guess what? The app actually has data for that as well. There is a difference between accuracy and consistency. Because, yeah, if a guy calls three inches outside the zone, a strike all night, every night, for every pitcher, ever, all the time, then you can make an adjustment. I still don't really like that, but you can make an adjustment. There's, there are things you can do 
to strategize for that. And at the very least, that would lend credence to the notion that it would all balance out because everyone's playing under the same rules. But you'll see with some guys, they might have, you know, decent accuracy, but really bad consistency. Um, or, or the other way around, they might have really bad accuracy, but great consistency. And it's worth knowing all of these things. I, I think at the very least, we're living in an age of baseball where having the information is better than not having the information. And this is information that to this point had been pretty heavily guarded. Um, it, it was hoped that you all would not have this at your fingertips. And that's why I decided to highlight it and give Mark some feedback on what I thought was going so well and why I wrote such a glowing article about it and why he's going to be on the podcast again sometime uh, probably next week to discuss this because it can have an immediate impact on the game. And I also think it, it brings into clear focus what this is about. It's about fairness. I had somebody ask me on Twitter yesterday, you know, why are you trying to take the human element out of the game? Why are you trying to make the game perfect? And I'm not, I'm not trying to do either of those things. I think the human elements is about the human baseball players and baseball will never be perfect. It can be a little bit more fair and fairness is an intrinsically important part of sports. It's not just entertainment. I'm a fan of the WWE, but it's not the same thing. And AEW, by the way, out there for everybody. I'm a fan, but it's not the same. They're qualitatively different. You don't get Cinderella stories. You don't get Jackie Robinson. You don't get George Mason and March Madness finals. You don't get these things if sports don't operate under a set of rules that all have to be enforced as fairly as possible. And that's why this is different than other ways of trying to take human elements out of the game. As long as it comes to the rules, the rules ought to be enforced as fairly as possible. And now we have the information that shows us how we can start to do that. So I'm very, very excited about it. I think it has like 99 cents or something like that. It's definitely worth it. I've used it every day since having it. And sometimes it's just, it's it's worth knowing when the guy is good and being like, man, look at this umpire go. He makes so few mistakes. That's really compelling too. Like I, I find every element of baseball compelling. And that's one of the reasons why I've never understood, you know, some people, why do you spend so much time talking about the umpires? Shouldn't you be talking about the other? I don't know. Some people spend all their time talking about the GM and they don't really know what goes inside, goes on inside the GM's office. But I see a lot of rampantly false speculation about what goes on inside the GM's office or or what Bud Black and his staff of coaches think. And that's it's all part of it. To me, it's all part of it. And they should get as much attention and scrutiny and criticism as managers, GMs, and ballplayers do. And until this point, we haven't been able to do that because with managers and ballplayers, we got numbers. I know what that dude's batting average is and I know how much money he's getting paid. With umpires, we don't know what their batting average is, and we don't know what they're getting paid, and we don't know how important tenure is to what they are or aren't doing, and we should. We should, and now we do. Not because they volunteered the information, but because Mark Williams and his team worked their asses off to give us this data. Not give it to us. They are they are charging you 99 cents. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are asking for something in return, but 
I think it's fair. Um, I want to get into some questions. I'm seeing kind of here. Let's talk a little bit more uh, about the Rockies and what they're going to do going forward and a few extra fun little things. I'm seeing some comments on some narratives that I have seen, but I want to mention before I do that, that I'm loving the Colorado core, you guys. I know I've talked about it before, Breckenridge Brewery. I've been able to have much this last week because I've been sick, though it's a little bit lighter on the throat when you've got a little bit of a cold. But this cold weather that we were hit by this snowstorm the other day, and I'll tell you what, having a nice cidery beer to, to drink at the house that's not like I'm drinking sugar, uh, really, really good stuff for this time of year. So check out the Colorado Core from Breckenridge Brew. If that's not your thing, have, a, have an avalanche amber. Get the vanilla porter. I got the, I got the vanilla porter hat right back here because it's it was my old standby for sure. Uh, we put vanilla porter in the chili the other night because it's really good. If you if you cook with even you don't even have to drink it, you should, but you can cook with that vanilla porter. Uh, make some make some chili with it. It's really good if you've never done that before. I haven't tried cooking with any of the other Breckenridge Brew stuff, but it, it's worth it. It's worth checking out. Um, I'm gonna still be here on the live, but I'm gonna throw the podcast to quick break. Come back on the other side of it, answer some questions. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more hey you all know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important and that's why our friends over at green mountain dental group are giving away a free sonicare when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam that's right you simply have to take care of your teeth for green mountain dental group to hand over a free sonicare check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today all right welcome back into the dnvr rockies podcast presented by the green solution Got a question in here from Matt who says, what do the Rockies do with Ian Desmond? Uh, should his contract be restructured? I don't think that's a a, a thing you, you, you really can do. Anymore. I mean, I get maybe they could, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Ian Desmond is, is going to be on the contract he's under uh, these last two years. Um, next season, again, is going to be a little bit more frustrating, kind of like that. I believe it stays right at the 15 or in the, in that area. It's in the low to mid teen millions. He's going to get paid next year. And then it goes on to eight for his final year. Uh, I, I think the, 
the biggest question with the Rockies and Ian Desmond is not can they get rid of him or can they trade him or can they find a way to get out from underneath his contract, whether it be moving him or paying him to go away, whatever. I think the biggest issue with Ian Desmond is can they find the right role for him to play? Because he'll never be worth the value of his contract. Let's just let's that has to be put to bed. Like the the continuing to be frustrated that he's overpaid while it may be valid and justified is also useless. Like there's no point in in rehashing that. The team has managed to be good with Ian Desmond. They've also managed to be bad with Ian Desmond. The question is, what is his position in 2020? And I don't know that the Rockies have an answer to this. So that 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 is why the contract gets into this conversation so often. Because if he didn't have it, they could just cut him because he doesn't have a position. They could just let him walk away. But with all that money invested you do have to give him some opportunities. And I've made this argument before, and it's worth repeating because I think it's been a little while. Like, human beings have a very difficult time separating this isn't worth it, and this is absolutely terrible and must go away. I talked about this when, in 2018, yeah, in 2018, the narrative really popped up about they should just DFA him. They should literally pay him the rest of his contract to go play for somebody else, which, by the way, he would. Um, that's something I think people overlook, is that Ian Desmond would immediately be picked up by another team. Because no team has 25 players who are all, in every way, better than Ian Desmond. They, they, they don't. Every team has negative war players on it, even championship teams. Last year's world champion Boston Boston Red Sox had, I think, six or seven negative war players. It's been a while since I looked that up, so double check me if it's. But I, I think it's around in that area. There's nobody with zero of them, and some of them bring different things. Whether that's the clubhousiness that people like to roll their eyes at with Desmond, his ability to hit left-handed pitching, being a good base runner, being a good teacher of the game, he does bring things. So I find it unlikely that the Rockies would have 25 men on the roster who are all going to be better than Ian Desmond. The trick is that they need to recognize that he is in the 18 to 25 range of on-field production that they're going to get. And that means moving ahead of him on the totem pole, guys like Ryan Altapia, maybe even Garrett Hampson. Obviously, I think David Dahl has very clearly already moved ahead of him on the totem pole. And that's why I think this conversation has shifted more than people realize. The big news on the Ian Desmond front was after the All-Star break. They came out and basically said he's not playing center field anymore. We're not doing that. Which limits their ability to force him into the lineup, as, as fans might put it, right? They force Ian Desmond in there. Well, if he's not going to play center field, that basically leaves him with left and first base if they want to look at that again. Now, maybe they'll come back and tell us, hey, he's our backup second baseman now. We're going to play right. Who, who knows? It, like, There's always some interesting surprise with Ian Desmond, but they've admitted it didn't work out in center field. And I think that there's a very strong chance that he is not 
when the season begins in 2020, considered a starter. I think he'll be a bench player. And I think he'll still be one that they will want to use. And I actually think that there is a perfect role for him here. The Rockies have to play him as a primary pinch hitter, as a guy who can give rest to their left-handed outfielders a couple times a week, but as a bench player in that role. And I think he can be very good for Bud Black, who likes to have a right-handed guy with some pop off the bench and a veteran at that. He fits all those categories. He, he fits in there very nicely. He can come in and pinch run if you need him to. And so I think he fits really well in that category as long as the Rockies don't get, you know, super, if he has a great spring training and they go, oh my gosh, Ian Desmond, and they, they get him back in there, that would, I, I think that would be the wrong move. And it would obviously frustrate a lot of fans, but I also think there's a very slim chance that that happens. I think that more likely one of these young guys is going to be considered the everyday starter. I do think Raimel Tapia is considered the front runner inside the organization to begin every day in left field. David Dahl out there in center, Charlie Blackman in right. If they can't make any moves, then their infield is what it was. It's Nato Story, McMahon, Murphy. Uh, they're. I think they're going to be active on the catcher market. I don't think they're going to go after Yasmani Grandal, but I think they're going to be active. Uh, I've seen a lot of questions here about that. Um, I think they're happy if Tony Walters is their starter again. I, I do think they would explore the possibility of bringing someone in who might split a, a bit more time with him or bringing someone in who could be a veteran backup as well. And I think they'll give a fair chance to Dom Nunez to make his presence known next season. But I think it's still a little bit early for him. And that's okay. I, I think more like mid-season for Dom Nunez. And so it, there's a lot of ways the team can build with Ian Desmond as a part of it and, and him as an asset. A $15 million bench guy who only gets in there against lefties. Again, you put it that way, it sounds really awful. And and I've made this argument before too. And this is what's really interesting is I actually think the Rockies need to do this with all of their highly paid guys. One or two, they can afford to really try and get rid of. And I'd be shopping Murphy, but if you can't sell them, just like I was saying with Desmond, you don't just cut Daniel Murphy. You don't just pay him that money to go away when he can still bring value and he really can still hit. But if he doesn't come back next year in better shape, and it doesn't look like he's made any improvements defensively. And Garrett Hampson's playing well enough that you do feel confident and comfortable with him as an everyday second baseman. Or maybe it's Brendan Rodgers, who you now feel confident and comfortable with as an everyday second baseman. Then you can do this with him, too. This is my thing with them. They've got to be more proactive. I defended in the past. I never thought it was a real thing, this narrative of they just trust their veteran guys and they won't play the young guys. Like there were always very specific reasons why the particular veterans were getting starts over those particular young players. It was more about the specifics than I, I feel like the team ever got credit for. But those specifics have changed. It's a big deal. Ryan McMahon 
is a ball player. Raimal Tapia is a ball player. And we know these things now. We know a lot more about them. They've got a lot more experience and success. Garrett Hampson has shown you more now. So if he does come out hot and Murphy doesn't look good, I think you can send a whole message to the entire organization. Start year 2020 like this. Young guy at second base, Hampson or Rogers, whoever has the better spring training. If it's Hampson, then that's great. And Rogers can go back and get a little more seasoning in AAA. If it's Rogers, Hampson becomes your super utility guy on the bench and you're going to use him a lot anyway. And that becomes a lot of fun. Murphy and Desmond on the bench, both of them. And useful. I think both can put together a good at bat and both can give you the spot start. But you do not have to play those guys starter minutes, if I may use an NBA phrase, just because of their contracts or their veteran status. If you've got a better baseball player who's proven it to you, standing right there, and, and I argued in the past they did not, about some of these same guys. McMahon, to me, wasn't the better ball player necessarily than Ian Desmond in 2018. But he is now. He is now. He's gotten to that level. He's the more valuable player. And I and I and, and Tapia, Hampson, so across the board. And they have to do the same thing in the bullpen. Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, one on one or two, maybe three. Lord, I hope it isn't three. One or two of those guys is still going to be on the roster on opening day 2020. And that is okay. Big gigantic if. They're pitching the sixth inning. They're pitching the blowouts one way or another until they show they're getting better results that they've figured something out in their bed, which we could see out of Davis. But if Davis is going to close any ball games for the Rockies in 2020, it better be after a month of him having pitched well in other positions. And I think that that's where the Rockies' heads are at now as well. I do think this equation has changed, and it's why I think there's a big disconnect between myself and a lot of the folks out there who are saying, man, they're really screwed. There's nothing the Rockies can do. They're in such a bad spot. And I'm going, well, actually, I think more of these things have changed than you than you think. And just because some of these guys are on the roster still come next season doesn't mean they're going to be employed in the same way. Or deployed in the same way, as it were. So... Matt, that, to, that, that, that is the basic, like, what do they do with Ian Desmond is the same question as what do they do with Daniel Murphy, with Jake McGee, with Brian Shaw, and with Wade Davis. You, you shop them as hard as you possibly can. You consider with some of those relievers, because they're in the final years of their deal, letting one or two of them go, paying them to go away. But you got to play them in lesser roles. You have to let the guys who've proven they can do the job do the job. And I think they will. I really do. I think it's going to be a big part of the rejuvenation of next season. So I'll wrap this one up here. I'm going to do another one here in a little while. More live chats in other areas. Going to go over and head on to the Periscope and see how that goes for people. But this has been 
a lot of fun. I know I haven't done one in a while, so I didn't get quite as many people in, but we were able to create some fun conversation out of it. Thank you so much for listening in. Make sure you are following us on the social media at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook and whatever podcast app you're using. Subscribe to DNVR. I'm going to have a lot more content this next week because I was only able to half finish things over the last week while I've been sick. So there's going to be some really good stuff on the website over the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned for all of these things. Like I said, be on the lookout for that John Gray podcast coming up here very soon. Uh, That one's going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss it. I hope you will all continue to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. All right, who wants to make some money? Everybody, everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save time on fees when you book. Or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break, perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com.